about this this week. Um, I don't know if you guys have seen, um, there's this, if you guys know what memes are, memes are just different things that show different information. So uh, uh, Lincoln and JFK, and it usually has a picture like this um, on it, if we got that, Carol. Um, usually have a picture of the two. Maybe not today. Um, you can see, there it is. So it usually has this type of picture on it, and then it has um, a thing that talks about how similar they are to each other. Um, I want to give you some stuff. This is kind of, it's a weird thing. I want to give you a bunch of parallels that are between JFK and Lincoln. So real quick, I'm just going to list these off. Both were elected to Congress in a year ending in 46. Okay. Um, both were just interesting information, okay? Um, both were concerned with the civil rights. Both married in their have 21 letters complete for their whole names, and each name is seven letters. Um, so all three names had seven letters in each of them. Uh, both were shot on a Friday. Both were killed with a bullet to the head. Both were shot in the presence of their wives. Both were assassinated by Southerners. Both of the president's successors were named Johnson. Both of um, the, their successors were Southerners. Uh, both their successors were born in a year ending in 08. Both assassins were known by three names. So you have John Wilkes Booth and Lee Harvey Oswald. Um, and each assassin's full name is composed of 15 letters. And before each of the assassins could be tried, they were killed. Those are just some interesting little parallels between the two. Um, and then some people say, you know, they, there's a lot more that are said, but these are the only ones that can be confirmed through history. Uh, some of the other ones are like, uh, Lincoln had a secretary named Kennedy, and Kennedy had a, a secretary named Lincoln. You know, but that's, we don't know who Lincoln's secretary was, so uh, maybe not. But there's a lot of parallels, and it's what's interesting is you can go through history and you can find people's lives that actually parallel other people in history. And they can have these, and I call them happenstances because I can't say the other word. Um, and thank you, someone got that. Um, and so these happenstances throughout history are interesting to look at, but what if Lincoln were to say something like, there's going to be another president like me, and then we would have JFK. That would be a lot more that their parallels meant more, right? Well, it's this idea of having parallels that we're going to be talking about today. So if you have your Bibles, we're in our Matthew series, but we're actually going to go to the book of Deuteronomy today. So we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter. That's what we're going to be doing. But as we're talking, let's talk about what we've talked about, the side of it, right? I hope that when we're going through this whole thing that as I talk about the author, you understand I'm talking about Matthew, the human author, and I'm not downplaying the spirit who as inspired and who breathed the word of God, okay? I hope you're understanding that I'm not diminishing the sight of God, but rather we're just focusing on this because the reason is, is because the human author, the person that God used to bring about his word in the different, uh, the different people is really an important part because God used that John. They're different because God used certain people to bring about different parts so that we could better understand the totality of his word. 
And so in the first week, we talked about this, that the better we can understand that person that God used, we can better understand how God used that person. And so we talked about that in the first week. In the second week, we talked about the, the genealogies of Jesus and how it's really easy to skip over the genealogies, but it's, they're really needed because they tell us the scope of God's word. We saw this with the different women who were not Israelite women who God brought into the genealogy of Jesus. Salvation work. That we saw a blessing and a curse that God had said in the Old Testament and its fulfillment in Jesus. And so that, that lineage shows us that God's word is faithful. And so this understanding that God's salvation work, we get to see the scope of it, and we get to see the connecting pieces in the genealogies. And then last week, we started actually walking through some more um, of this, this history stuff, and we talked about the dreams that God uses and how it's a vehicle for God's speaking to people. And we saw in the Old Testament, so we went through a bunch of Old Testament examples of them, and the rest of it, there's visions. And we talked about the difference, right? The difference when you're awake, when you're asleep. Very simple dif uh, difference. And so we've talked about all this. But now we're going to step back because in Matthew, there's so much going on that if we just start moving through, we're going to start missing things. And so today, we're going to be looking at an overarching theme that's in Matthew that's a really important thing. Because as we move our way through it, I hope that you'll have it in the back of your mind and you'll be able to recognize these moments. Now, some of you might remember a couple weeks ago when I talked about Deuteronomy and how Matthew, the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is actually structured after Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy has an introduction, about four chapters long, and the whole introduction is just how did the Israelite people get to where they're at in the rest of the book. The rest of the book is structured around six sermons, six speeches of Moses. Matthew is similarly, similarly done. You have the first four chapters that focus on how do we get Jesus? Where does where does he come from? How is he connected to the Old Testament? And then the rest of it is structured around five sermons of Jesus. And so we have these parallels already. So Matthew, just in his structure, is really trying to capture this Old Testament understanding of things. In fact, Matthew is very similar to the Old Testament narratives. And so when we get into this, there's a lot of things that Matthew is doing that's found in Deuteronomy. And so for the rest of the series, we're going to be jumping back into Deuteronomy every once in a while just to realize how Matthew is connecting back to the Old Testament. But in Matthew, there are two passages that he deals with, that he brings out from Deuteronomy, where he deals with these ideas throughout the entire scope of his book. And so let's go into it. We'll read it, and then we'll talk about it. So here we go. Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting in verse 15, it, it says this, The Lord your God, now this is Moses speaking, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me among you from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him, for this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, where they say, what they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among 
their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I commanded. He it to the Israelites, and he says, look, there's going to be a prophet that will rise up from among Israel that's going to be like me. And the, the idea there, like, literally means he's going to be comparatively like me. Like, you can compare him to me, and a lot of the comparisons are going to be the same. And so that's really important because at this point in Deuteronomy, Moses is moving towards his death. He's at the end of his life, and he's preparing the Israelites for the future. And so he's telling them, look, there will come a prophet. But when we get to the end of Deuteronomy, we get this moment where Joshua, his protege, is going to be taking over for him. And then you get into the book of Joshua, which we did last a uh, couple of summers ago. And Joshua is going to be his the next leader of Israel. But we get this really interesting thing at the end of Deuteronomy in chapter 34. So in chapter 34 of Deuteronomy, we get this thing. It's in verses 10, commentator that puts this on. It says, since then, since Moses, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, who did all these signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do to Egypt to Pharaoh and to all the officials and to his whole land. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed awesome deeds like Moses did in the sight of Israel. So at the end of it, this little thing says, no one, there hasn't been anyone. Now this is before Joshua, right? This is before any of these other prophets. And so when you're going through the Old Testament, you should be looking for a prophet like Moses, except there is none. Even though the other prophets, they do some miraculous things, there's no prophet that is ever said to be comparatively to be like Moses. That's an extremely important thing because the Old Testament ends with no prophet that is like Moses. Yet Moses said, there will be one. And so when we get to Matthew, this is really interesting. Matthew is the first book of the New Testament. And we talked about That's why it was put first. And so Matthew is that connector to the Old Testament. And the whole purpose, or one of the purposes of Matthew is to show us that Jesus is the prophet like Moses. And I'm going to take you through, and we don't have that much time. And so I'm going to take you through, the majority of these are within the first seven chapters. I want you to see just at the beginning of Matthew how many there are, just one right after the other. All right? And as we do this, Matthew approaches this whole overarching three theme in two ways. First, he shows us, here are all the instances in Jesus' life that help us understand that he is, a he is comparatively to Moses. And then we get to the question that Matthew helps us answer because it is asked, of Jesus, are you this prophet? And so Matthew helps us. He brings in, by the, and this is all inspired by God. So God is showing him, and he's saying, here's these moments. And so let's look at all of these parallels. So first, from Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, okay? In this moment, Jesus, and we're going to do this in Matthew's chronolo chronology and not in the Moses's, Okay? This way you can see it. Jesus is sent off to Egypt. That, go back to that dream. Uh, 
Josh, uh, Joseph has a dream and he goes and runs away to Egypt, all right? And so this happens, and we have Moses, same thing. He, so this is, he doesn't run off to Egypt, but rather he's born in Egypt. So both of them are raised for a time in Egypt. And so these are just some comparisons, right? So they're both raised in Egypt. Now eventually, Jesus comes back, and we know it's before his 12th birthday, because Luke tells us about that. But in these first years, however many years those are, Jesus is down in Egypt. All right. The next one is in just a few is in the next verse of Matthew. So Matthew two sixteen through eighteen. The reason why Jesus flees to Egypt is because of Herod. Herod start he sends out a decree that the the boys two years and younger all have to be killed within. Bethlehem and the general region around it so probably within a few miles of that area and so this moment happens and back in Exodus we get a similar moment Moses is born into an infanticide situation and so the king of of Egypt the Pharaoh he sends out this decree that all the male children of the Israelites are to be killed and so again you have in Jesus' life, a similar situation where he is born into an infanticide by a king. All right? The next one is Matthew 3. So we go to chapter 3, Matthew three thirteen through 7. And you have this moment where Jesus is being baptized. And he raises out, and in the scriptures, it talks about the Father's voice speaks and the dove descends. But the, the purpose of that voice is to approve to approve of who Jesus is. This is my son. It's a, it, and it's not just done. And this is one of the things that happens in a lot of cults. A lot of cults, they'll, they'll say, I had a vision, I had this dream. But Jesus' recognition by the Father that he is the son is done in front of everyone. This is really important. So this happens in Exodus. And this is all over Exodus. But Specifically, Exodus 19:16 through chapter 20, verse 21, God speaks and approves of Moses in front of everyone. And so this approval of God is very important. Prophets being called and they share their calling. But this is specifically done in the whole assembly. And Jesus' approval is done in front of everyone. Jesus fasted for 40 days. Now this is kind of, a lot of people fast. And so this is just one of those minor details. But they're important because what Matthew is showing us is he's saying there are big details that are parallel to Jesus and there are small details. And so all these are important. And so the 40 days... So Jesus fasts for 40 days in Matthew 4, 2. And then in Exodus 34, 28, we see that also Moses fasts for 40 days. Now again, this is one of the smaller details because a lot of people fast for 40 days. But it's just another one of those parallels that are brought together. So no matter how big or how small, they're, they're there. But then we get two really big ones. The first one comes from up on the, on the mountainside. It, says, it specifically tells us he goes up onto the mountain. And there you go through the rest of the Sermon on the Mount. And you go through that whole thing. And it is very reminiscent to the giving of the Ten Commandments. Which the commands of God. And now Jesus is giving the commands of God. 
Except the difference here is Jesus adds, but I say. And it's literally the command of God coming from God himself. So there is a difference, and there are differences, but we're seeing the parallels between. Both of them are speaking from a mountain to give the commands of God. The last one, and this is something that is really important. In Moses' prophecy, he says the, the signs that are performed. And so there's, in Matthew 14 and Matthew 15, you get this one, and I'm just picking this one out, this one miracle that is the feeding of the 5,000 and then the feeding of the 4,000. John later read. And so this idea of the bread being very important, that the bread comes from heaven, and Jesus in John talks about how he comes down from heaven, that he is the bread of heaven. This whole idea is you have this moment where Jesus is feeding Exodus. Now Moses doesn't perform this. And this is really interesting, but they have the manna from heaven. That God provides it. Yet, so Moses is there when this happens. And Jesus is the one in the New Testament that claims it. I am the bread come down from heaven. Why does he do it in that language? Moses. And so this, this idea of Jesus being the miracle worker ties us back into Moses. Who also did these miracles on in the power of uh, just right there are about six things that we talked about here that's that's just ones that i have time to talk to you about and that's just within really the first seven chapters and there's actually a lot more within we get to matthew 11 and this is really important so for us in america in 2021 it's really easy to read through this and not see any of this right I mean, how many of you right now just thought, yeah, I saw every scriptures, right? We're not steeped in the Old Testament. It's just not something we tend to do. And we actually talked about this, that we as Christians tend to just read the New Testament and kind of just, okay, every once in a while, I'll read some good stories, you know, the lion's den, the, you know, the Sunday school stuff. I know that stuff. But we're not steeped in it. And so as we read, that brings the law. And so he's very important. But for us, Jesus is a little more important right he brings the grace he's the one that brings salvation and so who moses is yeah we know he's the one right that's always something that gets people right moses did the ark no because he's really i mean he's important but he's not important to us jesus is important and so as we're reading we can miss this stuff He's picking out and making sure that we recognize in Jesus' life, these are moments where Moses had a, a parallel. But then we get to Matthew 11. And in this moment, John the Baptist, right, what is kind of the culmination of the Old Testament. He's, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? They ask that question because they're asking about Moses. They're asking about that prophet. Because this, you know, we talk about the Messiah, we throw that word around. And there's two to bring about God's work. So Moses is a Messiah, okay? David is a Messiah. All the judges were types of Messiah. But what they're asking is the Messiah, the prophet, the one who is supposed to be like Moses, who never appeared in the Old Testament. He actually puts it back onto 
the people that are asking. He says, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on the count of me. Yes. He doesn't do it directly. He doesn't say, yes, I am. But rather he says, see for yourself. Answer that question on your own. Can you answer it by what you're seeing? And by reading it, can we answer that question? And so this is what, so Matthew is saying, here's a moment in time where Jews were asking this question, are you that prophet? Are you the Messiah? We get this. This is the triumphal entry. Jesus is on his way in. And there's a lot of things that are being saying, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. There's a, blessed is the son of David. You know, all these different things that are being thrown out. But someone says this. This is Jesus. This isn't just someone. This is just not, he's the king, but he's also the prophet. And so in this moment, we get the answer to the question, is Jesus the prophet that the Jews have been looking for? Thing up. So in, in Peter's um, own, uh, his second sermon, um, where he's at the, 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 uh, the, Sol- the porch of Solomon, he, he says this, in his talking about who Jesus is, he taught Jesus, and then he says, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. It's a point in the sermon where he specifically connects Jesus to Moses, and he says, that And John says, if you would listen to Moses, you would know me. Because this connection with Moses is very important, especially on the Jewish understanding of it. And so for us, we need to recognize that because it's a purpose of part of the identity of Jesus, the fulfillment of God's word in a lot of different ways. A a lot of times we just talk about, here's a a prophecy, here's a prophecy, and we just list these prophecies. But we don't go deeper into why Moses, the parallel to Moses. And so we need to fully understand that. But we have to be careful here as well. Because it's really easy. And um, Islam, the religion of Islam, actually does stop with the prophet. He doesn't say, yeah, he's just another one and a long list of prophets. No, because at the very end, the last thing Matthew does is Matthew 28. They went up onto this mountain this is another thing that we'll see throughout the Matthew is the mountain um, part. But they go up on this mountain and it says they worshipped and some feared. And then Jesus speaks in verse 18. So in verse 18, this is what Jesus of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. That's really important stuff. Go. That's a command. Then he says, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is, he's making himself equal with the Father and the Spirit. So he is God. And then he says, teaching them everything I, but no, he says everything I have commanded you. And then the very last thing he says, and surely I will be with you always to the very end of the age. This is the exclamation point more than that. And Matthew wants help, is trying to help us understand that. 
is he fulfills all these things. And there's going to be multiple fulfillments of the Old Testament within Matthew that he, he brings us and he shows. What should our response be? It should be that of the disciples. And they worshipped him. That's a huge thing in itself because later on in, in different parts of the scripture, especially in Revelation, you get this moment in the worships and the angel says, no, I'm just a servant just like you. Yet here are the disciples worshiping Jesus. What does he say? He reinforces it. He says, all authority is mine. Go. Forcing their worship, saying, you are doing right. And so we must understand that. As we're walking through Matthew, we need to have our, our ears perked up and our eyes open to wearable ways that this is done. But we must understand the identity of Jesus through Matthew. That every time, everything he does is meant to help us understand him. So when he goes up on a mountain, that's not he, he just says that he left and he took time away. These are important things that are not just filler. Every word, every phrase, every sentence in the scripture, be paying attention. Because we can miss things really easy. And these summer, um, these summer series are not to be a look at these overarching ideas that are in the scriptures. And then how are we to better see the scriptures? And so this is my challenge for you this week. I'm giving right? I want you to go deeper this week. Just take these and go, okay, read through the Matthew part, understand what's being said, and then go to the, the Old Testament passage and say, okay, why what Matthew's trying to do? Because as we develop these skills to be able to see that, we'll be able to do it on our own. You won't need someone to tell you, here is a, a passage. You can look at it and go, I wonder if that is a parallel. I wonder what Matthew is saying. It's more solid foundation on God's word because you'll be better able to understand it. And that's my desire, is that you're a better studier of the word of God than I am. That's my goal. So you come in here every week and you go, I've already died relying on someone else to do it. And so that's my challenge for you this week is to go. I don't know if Cookie meant to say this or she just stumbled into it. But in her prayer, she says, servants of the scriptures. That God breathed them. That we can just say, okay, then hand them and I go deep. So I can know who this God is that I serve. Lord, I thank you for all that you put into your word. I thank you that it is so deep that you just keep coming back and there's more and there's more. It's like I'm learning more. Lord, I pray for your people that we would be sure-footed on your word for us. Lord, I, I, I thank you. Last week we talked about dreams and how you moved and to know and discern your voice clearly. Help us be moved by the Spirit so that in all things you are glorified. And as we continue to worship both and that we would praise the Holy God that has called us out of ourselves, out of our sin and into salvation. So Lord, I thank you and I pray.